He is the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, whether those worlds are known or unknown to mankind. unclouded by hate does not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice hello everybody my name is charlie you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer c.e dorset and today we're going to continue our discussion of the apostles creed and if you don't know why we're doing this definitely check out yesterday's episode because it's a doozy and I didn't think that this was something that I would need to do on this show, but uh, now I, I feel that it's a public service to take some time and actually go through the Apostles' Creed. So, yeah. So yesterday, we talked about the first, the well, the history of the Creed a little bit, and the first line, I believe, in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Today, we're going to start into the big topics. We're going to talk about Jesus. And I love talking about Jesus. This is one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast, because I love talking about Jesus. So we'll see how far we get today, but my goal is by the end of today's episode, we will have discussed the line, I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord. There's a lot to unpack in this section of the creed, and we're going to go through it carefully. So, as we've already discussed, the the phrase, I believe, is from the Latin credo, which means I give my heart, I give credit to. And if you'd like more on that, please see yesterday's episode. So, I want to start with with Jesus Christ. And... Again, this is one of those things that uh, um, I didn't think I would have to actually talk about. Um, there's a show on our local radio. It's from a local preacher around here that I listen to anytime I can catch it. And I actually don't know the name of the show. And if I did, I would let you know. But I, I tend to refer to it as Antichrist Bible because this is a phrase that he likes to use. There are a lot of uh, King James only people around here who, if you've never heard of this movement, they believe that the King James version of the Bible was somehow ordained by God and is the only English version of the Bible that is worth reading. Now, where this becomes really entertaining is listening to some of these people talk. And that's why I actually want to spend a little bit of time talking about the name of Jesus. Um, one of the Bibles that he attacks for being an Antichrist Bible is one that uses the original Hebrew names for all of the people that we meet in the story. And this is something that I find very helpful, especially when I'm trying to approach the scripture with fresh eyes, because it's different reading about these people when their names are not as familiar as you're used to seeing them. It, it helps to, you know, separate you from your preconceived notions of 
the the various characters of the Bible. And it's, it's something that I, I, I do t- tend to try to do. Now, one of the things that I have actually heard in a lot of conversation and on shows like that one particular King James only show is that there are many who now pray to the false god Yeshua. And you can look at the Bible and there is no Yeshua in the Bible. It is a corruption of Jesus. Yeshua is a demon god. And yeah, that, that, okay. So Jesus didn't speak English. (laughs) I, I really feel like that isn't something that I should have to explain in 2018, but Jesus didn't speak English, neither did any of the people around him. He spoke Aramaic, and the Gospels themselves were written in Greek. They were then translated into various other languages, one of which being English. One of those being the 1611 King James. Um, Yeah, so Jesus' real name was Yeshua. That's his real name. We we can debate all day long whether he was Yeshua Bar Yosef or he was uh, Yeshua Bar Maryam, um, which means Jesus, son of Joseph or Jesus, son of Mary. And a lot of that comes down to personal spiritual belief because he's not really referred to as either in scripture. There is one passage that comes to mind where... It said, is he not the carpenter's son? So that that may intimate that he was known as Yeshua bar Yosef, because patronymics were very common in his day. So that that would have been the name that people would have know, known him by. His The original apostles, the original 12 apostles, would have called him Yeshua. The original Christians would have called him Yeshua. Because they spoke Aramaic, which is the language that he spoke. And so Jesus Christ is not his name. Jesus comes to us from both the Greek and the Latin. In Greek and Latin, Yeshua becomes Jesus because in both Greek and Latin, to end a name, especially with an A, um, was seen as diminutive. It's it's the female ending in both of those languages. So they would not have called him Yeshua. They would have changed his name to Ye- Jesus. And, you know, Latin didn't have a sh- sound. And I don't believe the Greek did either. So the Yeshua becomes Jesus in both of those languages. This comes to us in English as Jesus, as we eventually separated the I and the J into separate letters, started pronouncing them differently, and now say Jesus instead of Jesus. Though, if you've ever encountered a uh, Hispanic or a Latinx Christian, you, you will know that they often say Jesus because in Spanish his name is still Jesus. Because that's what it is in Spanish. That's how it's pronounced. It's spelled like we spell our, spell Jesus, but it's pronounced Jesus still. Okay. So I feel like this is almost two one one but because I have heard arguments made that Yeshua and Jesus are two separate people, are two separate beings, I, I 
felt it was time to, you know, at least say something about the actual name of Jesus. Um, and I think a lot of this comes about because in a lot of Protestant circles, the name of Jesus has taken on a talismanic, magical sense. Because the scripture does say, whatever you ask in my name will be done. So we want to pray in the name of Jesus. And I've had very interesting conversations with people over the years over whether we should say Ye- Jesus, Jesus, or um, Yeshua when praying. And I don't think it matters. I, I don't think, you know, the Bible's very clear that God is not a, you know, God is not a respecter of persons. And so the defects or minor changes in language, I don't think affect anything in the divine realm. After all, we're not talking about some kind of magic spell that must be pronounced properly while wiggling your hands in just a precise way so that, you know, the spell will achieve its full power. That's not what we're dealing with here. That's not what prayer is. Though I do fully recognize that a lot of people treat prayer as though that's what it was. They shouldn't, but they do. So, yeah. Jesus' name was Yeshua. The Christ part goes back again to the Hebrew and the Aramaic, and so he would have been known as Yeshua HaMashiach by those who followed him, Jesus the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a Latinization of a Greek, of a, of a Hebrew word, Mashiach. Mashiach becomes Messiah and it comes down to us. The Greeks just translated the word. Mashiach means to be anointed. It means the anointed one of God. And so they just translated it. So in Greek, an anoint, one who is anointed is Christos. They are anointed. And thus Christos becomes Christos becomes Christus in Latin and Christ in English. It's a title. What it means when we say Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ, means I believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the promised one. He was the one promised to come from, come from God, who would, one, reform the Mosaic law. Remember, Moses promised that God would send another messenger, one who was great, greater than him, that would tell them things that he couldn't say. The, and various other prophets said that God would send a deliverer who would deliver the people. Now, some believed that, and some to this day believe that that is a political temporal deliverance. And this is why not all Jews converted to Christianity when it was originally founded. They were expecting a temporal savior, one who would throw off the yoke of the Romans and give them their state back. And there's a lot of other things that go into it, and time has accumulated a lot of ideas around the Messiah that was not originally there in the time of the first Christians. And I, I don't want to you know, unpack all of that right now. But what we are saying when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, just that statement alone, I believe in Jesus Christ, what we're saying is, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the promised one. Jesus is the one that God sent. That, that's a lot of meaning. 
in just a couple words. And they're very powerful words. And I do mean that in a spiritual sense, but not in the way that a lot of my Protestant brothers and sisters mean it. It's not a magic phrase. It's not something that, if said properly, magic power comes about. This is not abracadabra. And I feel like I can't say that strongly enough, that while we pray in the name of Jesus, and I believe in the name of Jesus, to cheapen it by turning it into something that sounds like a parlor trick, you know, is it's not helpful to anyone, much less anyone who's trying to actually promote the faith. And this is where I have ought against faith healers and various members of the charismatic community that abuse the name of Jesus as if it were a magic phrase. You know, we don't live in Harry Potter. You know, it's not, you know, Wingardium Leviosa. (laughs) Jesus Christ doesn't work that way. If it did, we would live in a very different world And it would be one that we wouldn't have to have any debate over whether or not one Jesus was the Messiah or Jesus was God or that there was a God. Because you could just say the magic words. Jesus Christ. Bing. But that's not how reality works. The power in the name of Jesus comes from us remembering the life, the teachings, the suffering, and the resurrection of our Lord. And it comes from the person behind it. You know, I do believe, and we'll talk about this a lot when we get to that part of the creed, that Jesus died, was buried, and did rise again from the grave. And every time I say his name, I am reminded of that. That small creed that is sung in the churches around Easter. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Because that is the power in Jesus' name. He saves us from our sins, he saves us from ourselves, and he shows us the way that we should live in this world with compassion and with care and with a special attention to the suffering of others who it is our divine duty to free from suffering and injustice. We are here to proclaim the kingdom and the acceptable year of the Lord. And to do that, we must bring sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, freedom to the captors. These are the things that we are called to do, and these are the things that we remember every time we say the name of Jesus. And we'll continue with the rest of this after this word from our sponsor. And we're back. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the next most contentious words. I feel like that's how this is going to go for the rest of our time with the creed is, and uh, now the next controversial part. Here we go. Okay, so the next part that we're going to talk about is God's only son. Um, okay, so th- this has various translations over the years. God's only begotten son is the way that I am used to reciting this portion of the creed. And I I get into a lot of uh, debates with Christians nowadays about this because 
Well, we're all children of God, are we not? Yes. Yes, we are. If you are one of the faithful, if you believe, then yes, you are one of God's children. But, and this is where I fall back on Paul's language here because I think it's very instructive. We are adopted into the family of God. Jesus is in the family of God. He just is. And part of that is because he is one in substance with the Father and the Spirit. So that is something that we are not. We were made in the image of God and in God's likeness, but we are not co-substantial with them. This is actually one of the great promises of Christ, that in the end, we will be one with them as they are with each other. This is the great promise of Christ and something that we look forward to. But it's not something that we... I don't want to say it's not something that we are now, but it's it's a very important distinction. And one of the reasons for me that this is such a powerful distinction to make and an, such an important one is I think of, you know, Jesus himself said, in the last days, many shall come saying, I am Christ and I am the Messiah. And they will deceive many. And this to me is the biggest part of this. I, uh, yes, I am a child of God. Yes, I was grafted into the family of Abraham and I am part of the family of God. But there is a difference and a distinction between my nature and the nature of Jesus that is something that will be overcome and I will be one with God as Jesus is, but I am not now. And the reason for me that this distinction is important, because for some people it sounds like a distinction without a difference, but I, I oh, the difference is so important. I cannot claim the authority of God. Jesus could. Jesus could quote the scripture and say, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, right? That, 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 that's a quote from the Mosaic law that Jesus is changing. He had the authority of God to do that. He had the authority to work on the Sabbath when that was something that was not believed to be something that would happen. He was able to return from the dead because he is God and that is a power that he is life. And thus a power that he had. And I think this is very important because there are too many Christian leaders who knowingly or unknowingly try to take the authority of God onto themselves and talk as though they are speaking for the divine. And that is sacrilege to me. That is something that we cannot abide in Christian circles. And it's, it's one of the things that distanced me from the Catholic church prior to Cardinal Ratzinger being elevated to the papacy because I don't think any one person alive in this world has the authority of God. I think the church can come together and make decisions 
and speak with one voice as the church, as the body of Christ. But that is not the same as speaking as Christ would speak. People should not be worshipped. Individuals should not be worshipped. And the distinction that's being made here when we say that Jesus is God's only begotten son, or that Jesus is God's only son, is this one. Very clearly, we do not worship people because they are not divine in that way. We may have devotion to the saints, we may pray to the saints, we may have devotion to the Blessed Mother, or to any of the other saints in heaven, or to any of the angels, but they are not God, and we do not treat them in our prayer or in our devotion in the same way that we do God. We do not have the same reverence for them. We do not offer worship to them. There's a difference between devotion and worship. And that's very important for us to keep as a distinction because this is how cults get started. This is how a lot of modern, especially charismatic Christians really lose their way in that they follow people who proclaim themselves to be prophets who make claims that they are speaking for God and speaking the word of God. When you look at their predictions and their predictions do not come to pass. In fact, the Mosaic law is very clear that if a prophet says something will happen and it doesn't, they are not a prophet and says to do rather nasty things to them, which is the Mosaic's law's kind of default position. If bad, then death. But, you know, I'm not advocating that in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying they, they are not able to prove that they are prophets. Because I don't think anyone alive today is necessarily a prophet in the same way that the saints of old are were i I don't think any i i don't know of any living person who speaks as the mouth of god which is what the the prophets the jewish prophets did they were god's mouthpiece on earth now as part of the you know basic beliefs of creation spirituality, I do believe that all of us are prophets in that we are here like the prophets to work justice in the world and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I believe that it is possible to have mystic experiences and what have you, but there is a difference between someone who has a mystical experience and shares it with others And someone who says, I am the voice of God, worship me. And I see that happening way too often in our world. We have one God, we have one Lord, and they are not walking the earth right now. And we have to be very clear and careful about that. And that's why this portion of the creed matters so much, and why I decided to spend an entire episode on these words because i think you know a lot of people take a lot of time talking about the birth of christ or the life of christ or the death of christ or the resurrection of christ or the second coming of christ there's way too much 
put on the second coming and we'll get there. Um, but I don't think enough people really spend the time talking about the uniqueness of Christ and the few that do, cause I can think of some who do. And like I said, I don't like to name and shame people, so I'm not, but if you're familiar with a lot of Christian ap apologetics and writers, you'll know who I'm talking about tend to talk about the uniqueness of Christ in comparison to other faith leaders of the world, that the difference between Jesus and the Dalai Lama or Muhammad or, you know, fill in the blank. You know, this for me was the deal breaker when I became interested in the Baha'i faith for a period of time is that I, I, do, I don't believe that Baha'u'llah was the second coming of Christ. I, I just don't. And that was a bridge too far for me. He was a great man. I, I would almost be willing to say he was a prophet because he said a lot of very good things and very interesting things. But I couldn't bring myself to say that he was the second coming of Christ because I don't believe there is an opening within Christian thought for a physical incarnation of Jesus to return to the world. Sorry, I just don't. I don't see anything in Scripture or in the tradition that would allow for that. And so when we hear people talking about those who are alive, and I hear this a lot, and they'll use it in for a politician that they like, or sometimes for another preacher, they'll quote the scripture where it says, touch not God's anointed. Okay, God's anointed is Jesus. When, when those phrases were said, they were the king. So you know, be that Josiah or um, David or Solomon or any of the other kings of Israel, those, even Saul was the anointed of God. He was the Messiah. He was anointed of God. Um, and it's referred to as such in scripture. Jesus is the last Messiah. He's the last anointed of God in that way. There will never be another king to, to reign above us. There's only Jesus. That is why we believe in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's just him. He's the only one. Anyone else who tries to put themselves in that position of lordship over anyone is self-aggrandizing at best and trying to get worship for themselves rather than God at worst. And that's something that we really need to watch out for. It is a dangerous, dangerous thing for us to allow anyone to claim that they are the anointed of God, that they are the chosen of God. We, we know who God's chosen was. We, <laughs> if you're a Christian, you know the answer to that. And they're not walking the earth now. They're in heaven at the right hand of the Father. Again, something we will discuss in a future episode. People, people really are nowadays just devolving into this sense of wanting a leader, a living, breathing entity on this earth that will tell them what to do so that they can shirk the responsibilities that they have to govern their own lives. And... I don't see an option within Christianity to do that. The Apostle Paul says that we are here to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. 
where even Paul didn't want people to blindly bow to Paul and obey him. And we know that Paul was a rather opinionated person who seemed to have an opinion on everything from women's fashion to his fellow Jewish people. And he was wrong about them in a way that led to a lot of very unfortunate anti-Semitism in the years that followed all the way up till now. But he was right about this. We are to work out our own salvation. We are here individually. And I understand the desire to want a leader. I understand the desire to want somebody that you can put up on a pedestal above you and say, well, that person said it, therefore it's true. And of course, they always offshore their own words and hold up their Bibles and say, I believe it. I do what it says. Everything that I'm saying is from this book. When you actually look, a lot of what they say isn't in that book. It's just what they want to say. And they're picking and choosing the parts of the book that they feel will give them the authority to say and believe the things that they want to say and believe. And that's where we have to be careful. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, our Lord. And that's it. No human alive can be put on that pedestal. And anyone who tries, I'm sorry, you're trying to put yourself in the position of God. And I, I, I cannot abide that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We will continue our discussion tomorrow when we will go into the birth of Jesus. That'll be fun. It's Christmas time. We're in the Advent season. So, anywho, if you enjoyed this episode and the podcast app that you listen to me on gives you the option to rate either this episode or this series, please take a moment to do that. It really helps me out a lot. tells the algorithm to share me to other people, and that really, really will help out just a ton. Um, if you have a dollar that you can throw my way, depending on the app you're in, there may be a button that says support, or in the show notes there will be a support on Anchor link. If you click that, you can support at the $1, $5, or $10 levels. That is a month. That does help me out. That goes directly to me and helps me pay for um, web hosting and helps me free up time in my schedule so that I can work because on stuff, on, on the religious stuff. Because, you know, I, I'm working on something. We're all doing the grind to make money. <laughs> and... You know, if I can make a little bit off of the more I can make off of doing this show, the more I'll be able to give time to it and to build up resources for you all. So if you can afford to help, please do. If you can't afford to help, share the podcast with people that you think would like it. That helps out a lot. Please pray for me. That helps out more than you know. If you want to follow me on social media, go to uh, go to um, wisdomscry.com. You'll find links to all my social media over there. Twitter's the best one to follow me on. But any of those, you can leave me a message. And until next time, thank you so much for listening. May God bless you and keep you and keep you ever growing in divine wisdom. Amen.